0: Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your host nancy Kerala. we are here to discuss c diff healthcare associated infections and other related healthcare topics now here is your host nancy Kerala. welcome to c diff spores and more i'm your host nancy Kerala, here to welcome you to the 9th annual
1: international c diff conference and health expo november 4th and 5th 2021 enjoy the episodes
0: Acurex Pharmaceuticals is developing a new class of antibiotics for infections caused by bacteria listed as priority pathogens by the WHO, CDC, and FDA. These include C. diff and a variety of gram-positive infections and their candidates. To view investor information, see case studies, news, and online media, visit acurexpharma.com. Acurex Pharmaceuticals is the audio sponsor of the 9th Annual International C. diff Conference and Health Expo. Visit acurxpharma.com. Acurex Pharmaceuticals.
2: Florence Sojourn is going to be discussing this concept for us. Dr. Sojourn is currently the Chief Executive Officer for Volterra Therapeutics, and her talk is entitled, Update on the Development of Gut Microbiome Protectors from Antibiotic-Induced Dysbiosis. Florence, thank you so much for being here all the way from Paris, another one of my favorite cities.
1: <laughs> thank you very much, Paul. Uh, thank you everyone. Thank you to the Cities Foundation uh, to, uh, um, to bring here Double uh, Terra to the very interesting topics of, the, of this year's uh, meeting. And uh, thank you very much, Nancy, uh, for uh, all your efforts in uh, regrouping all the experts and the companies working in that field. So I'm indeed happy to uh, give you guys an update on uh, what we do at Devoltera, and especially the development of one lead asset uh, called DAV132, which is a gut microbiome protector from antibiotic-induced um, dysbiosis. So you mentioned it just. Paul uh, DeVolter, is a bri- private biotech company uh, founded by a microbiologist based in Paris. Uh, and uh, we have been only focused on that concept of developing a, a new therapeutic class, gut microbiome protective therapies. And um, coming back to the latest slides of CIRIS, the um, the initial approach was really to protect from resistance development, resistance to antibacterial. Uh, but then, of course, this could really lead to additional benefits for patients. And, and that's why today we actually uh, um, primarily focus our work and clinical development on patients for whom microbiome disruption could mean reduced survival. And that's especially the case in hemato and immuno-oncology. Uh, we have a quite an experienced leadership team with a strong uh, key opinion leaders uh, to collaborate with in order to set up our uh, clinical development path. So you, you've been talking a lot about CERDIF and therefore we're in the microbiome, so I'm not going to go a lot into this intro slide uh, regarding the importance of gut microbiome. What's key uh, is that this uh, microbiome is well uh, demonstrated today to have a key role in educating and stimulating the immune system and regulate inflammation. It has a clear role validated on the resistance to colonization by foreign bacteria and pathogens like difficile, and uh, as well as additional roles which um, every day publications bring us um, new information uh, on the uh sense and clinical impact of, of gut microbiome. And the rationale of Davaltura approach was really associated to the observation that any time you are gonna use an antibiotic to cure an infection, whatever the antibiotic uh, and whatever the class, uh, the form, IV oral part of the antibiotic is excreted from your body um, through the colon and crossing the colon, the residues of antibiotics um, of course meet the microbiome and destroy uh, part of the bacteria here in the gut. And that's what we call dysbiosis. And obviously, as Paul, you mentioned, uh, this dysfunctional gut barrier, which is caused by dysbiosis uh, is a clear risk factor to develop CDF uh, and infections. Uh, as well as colonization by resistant bacteria and consecutive hospitalized acquired infections and more and more clinical data demonstrates the link between this dysbiosis state and impaired immunity and immune response, especially in oncology. And um, so let me just uh, remind everyone here of the data associating the dysbiosis to CDF, uh, well especially patient at risk of developing CDF, and there has been numerous epidemiological studies uh, identifying patient at risk of developing CDF uh, when they use antibiotics to cure other infections like urinary tract infections well this uh pharmacokinetic profile of antibiotics leading to disrupted microbiome makes them at, ch- at risk of getting Cidif uh because of the exposure to new spores of Cidificate. Uh This proliferation uh, of Cidif and, and infection Further infection has been obviously associated to uh, severe and debilitating diarrhea, increased time in hospital, increased mortality, and of course recurrence. And um, all that leads to uh, high risk factors and cost for societies. And um, this risk of SIDIF has been clearly uh, demonstrated, validated in the literature to be associated uh, to disrupted microbiome. Uh, So we have published ourselves actually a series of of, uh, preclinical data here on the left and clinical data in the middle um, for the anticipated study, uh, demonstrating a significant uh, uh, correlation between the diversity of the microbiome through alpha diversity Shannon index um, with the risk of developing CIDF infection. Uh, and that's well accepted by the uh, scientific community. And in parallel of this, we all know SIDIF as a, A very deleterious impact on patients' quality of life. Uh, And we have conducted that observational study together with the uh, CIDIF Foundation and came out to those numbers where um, there is a very big fear of uh, patients having had CIDIF of recurring. uh, And the physical impact is very strong, of course, of CIDIF, with uh, uh, 94% admit daily activities are impacted, physical consequences are experienced by 64% patient. Um, so for us, uh, the thinking behind our approach is very complementary to colleagues trying to better cure and prevent spontaneous recurrence, but in our position at Voltera, we promote as well the primary prevention, try to minimize, especially in patients at risk, the fact that you're going to get there even though we have now, uh, we soon will have a treatment with a lower risk of recurrence. Well, it's, it's really an impactful disease. So let's try to just prevent it from happening. And so the microbiome protector approaches of Davulterra are um, a combination product with antibiotics that you take to cure other types of infections in order to preserve the essential functions of the intestinal microbiome. Therefore, limit colonization by pathogenic and resistant bacteria, such as difficile, and maintain your immune system functional. Um, So what uh, is our most advanced product in development? Its code is DEV132, and it is a product that is given simply orally in a stick form that you can see here. It's a picture of the product. Uh, and it's intended to be co administered with your antibiotics from any class or all parenteral during the same type of duration of your antibiotic treatment. The product has been designed uh, through the selection of a very powerful adsorbent that is efficient in absorbing all antibiotics and uh, inactivating them, and then surrounded by a coating in order to deliver the absorbent only in the colon. And this is based on the pellet form, tiny pellets, less than, uh, um, I mean, 0.6 millimeters. So extremely tiny, it has no taste um, at all and um, taken with a glass of water or mixed with applesauce. Uh, so the, the mode of action of the product is extremely simple to understand. It was very difficult to develop, <laughs> so it's simple to understand you take Dev132 at the same time as your antibiotic treatment, uh, whatever your treatment is oral or Ives antibiotic treatment. Um, and in the upper GI tract, dav 132 remains intact. It doesn't do anything. So your drugs, antibiotics, and even other drugs that you would take um, because you're sick, um, they can go to the blood, they can, be absorbed regularly in the upper GI tract in the duodenum, du- 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 duodenum. And so there is no interference with the systemic absorption and efficacy of co administered antibiotics. Uh, it's only when the pellets of DAB132, which follow the food process, reach the ileocecal junction, so very late ileum beginning of the column, that the coating dissolves and um, the liberates. The, uh, the adsorbent which composed the pellet and therefore the absorbent being liberated at that stage it will absorb and inactivate antibiotic residues and therefore protect the microbiome from the consequences of such antibiotics. So basically we remove the cause, co- we remove the comb of the dysbiosis by inactivating locally um, the antibiotic and so this was a The the idea, the concept back 10 years ago, and now we have a lot of data. We have nearly 500 humans who have uh, received DAV132 and actually uh, the reproducibility of the mode of action of DAV132 is excellent. Um, Every single volunteer or patient having taken DAV132 has this profile of, of product delivery pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic. So what have we uh, conducted uh, in terms of uh, clinical, um, uh, clinical studies? We've conducted uh, quite a lot of clinical studies, uh, seven clinical studies total in order to well understand, well qualify um, the product profile. So the first thing we've done is actually make sure the adsorbent would inactivate all the antibiotics and on the left here you see the list of uh, results of the capacity of our product to indeed um, absorb uh, those antibiotics and we actually did it on 85 antibiotics both in vitro and ex vivo in fecal material. In the middle here of the slide you can see the um, efficiency of Darwin 132 to actually capture antibiotics locally in the colon. And as you see here, it's really compelling. We managed to absolutely remove exposure to, so I give here two examples, moxifloxacin oral is above and uh, levofloxacin IV is here represented. And on the right side, this is to confirm the uh, level, the maintained level of the plasma concentration of those antibiotics, um, which of course are uh, absolutely key to maintain the efficacy of those antibiotics for the patients receiving it. So similar results have been obtained with other antibiotics than the fluoroquinolone class like ceftazidine, piperacillin, as well as another uh, importantly prescribed fluoroquinolone called ciprofloxacin. Cyp- So in terms of benefits, in terms of markers of efficacy for our product, we have conducted a series of uh, analysis. On the left here, you see the capacity of our product to preserve from uh, antibiotic-induced disruption through metagenomics analysis. So here you see the change of Shannon index uh, from baseline of the group receiving only antibiotics, which is always in red and the group receiving antibiotic plus DAV132 and once again you see the nice protection of the dysbiosis effect that, that we observe systematically in every patient receiving antibiotics and coming back to my intro slides as the Shannon index has been strongly correlated to the risk of having SIDF infections you understand how sensible this biological marker is of the efficacy of DAB 132 to prevent SIDF from happening and apart from this metagenomics analysis we have had a very nice collaboration with uh, Mark Wilcox and the University of Leeds to um, not only look uh, at the gene level but as well as the function of the intestinal microbiome preservation and so what we have what we have developed is a functional test um, where we have uh, taken the stools of patients receiving either antibiotic alone or antibiotic plus DAV132. And we have exposed this tools ex vivo to SIDF spores and culture in order to see if SIDF proliferated for three days or not. And you can see the results here um, uh, in our phase two study uh, where patients received fluoroquinolones, where the group receiving only fluoroquinolones, 52 patients had um, indeed a proliferation of CIDF. Uh, associated to uh, uh, certainly a risk of SIDF infection. And on the right bar, the blue bar, we have the DAV132 group where the function of preserving proliferation of SIDF was really nicely confirmed with high significant results. So those two results really demonstrate with biological markers, having a lot of sense um, that the product is extremely efficient in preserving microbiome and therefore is expected to prevent SIDF infection in patients receiving antibiotic treatments to to, to cure infection. Last but not least in our uh, uh, clinical uh, package you see here um, a wrap up of the safety data. Well the product being non-absorbed it's really only stays in the gut and goes in and out, Uh, it's extremely safe product, we had no serious adverse event in none of our um, human volunteer studies nor uh, patient studies and uh, we had really limited mild to moderate GI um, adverse event. Importantly, the absorption effect of DI132 had no other uh, impact on electrolytes or coagulation parameters. And of course, no interference that was well confirmed in phase two with the efficacy of antibiotics as well as any other drug taking by healthy volunteers of patients. So it's really a nicely um, demonstration of the safety of such a product uh, as well in a, uh, and, and the mode of action was nicely uh, validated uh, in, in, in clinical settings and it's very, very reproducible. So today we've had, we have that, solid package of data with multiple antibiotics and which uh, led us to design a phase three study in a severe patient population, which uh, discussing with the FDA uh, led to um, the, 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 the concept of an enriched patient population at risk of SIDF. And that's why we ended up working um, in the development in hematooncology that we have initiated now, uh, and the first patient was recruited in Europe in July, 2021. And in parallel of that, um, We are exploring additional benefits of DAB 132, not only on the prevention of CIDF, but as well as on the efficacy of immune checkpoint inhibitor in patients uh, with lung cancer taking antibiotics. So, the study, the phase three clinical design, is quite an ambitious study, but again, the benefits we hope to demonstrate with our approach are very very interesting on the role of microbiome and and antibiotic dysbiosis. Our objective here is to um, recruit patients at the very beginning of their leukemia diagnostics and um, being able to propose to them either antibiotic and placebo or, uh, or antibiotic plus dab 132 during the entire spectrum of their treatment. And this patient population, 100% of them actually receive antibiotics. They're, they have a lot of antibiotic to take because they're immunodepressed. And the objective for us is to assess the efficacy of dab 132 to prevent occurrence of difficile infection. And it's true that the data generated in that phase three trial will be taken to support an indication which is going to be wider in population at risk, including patients with hysteriocetive. And in parallel, uh, this study is extremely interesting because it not only um, should show benefits on SETIF, but as well as general bloodstream infections associated to colonization in the gut by resistant bacteria. And there is a clear link demonstrated today in the clinical literature between the dysbiosis and the risk of graft versus host disease in that AML population that receive uh, stem cell transplant, and we hope that in the subgroup of patients receiving stem cell transplant, we can already show some data on the prevention of GVHD. So it would have been ideal to actually mix all those endpoints and have a, a nice combined endpoints uh, study, but it's a little complex to, to move forward and, uh, with such a design. So we have separated clearly uh, primary secondary endpoints, but in that target patient population, we believe microbiome protection has a really important uh, clinical benefit and I mentioned that before, uh, the target population, the primary target population of DAV132 is the um, uh, prevention of both in patients with hematologic malignancies and those who had a prior sedif infection and who need an antibiotic treatment to cure an infection. And overall, this is not a small target patient group. It's it's really um, quite a large group. I'm going to pass on that. Just note that obviously we are opening a new market uh, because this is something that does not exist today, to have protectors of the gut when you take antibiotics. And so we validated with the uh, UK uh, Health Technology Assessment uh, Organization, NICE. Uh, We validated our um, price model approach as well as the uh, design of the phase three trial to fit not only the clinical benefit but as well as the pharmacoeconomic data that we need to generate to support pricing, especially in Europe, but that would be very helpful as well for the US market. Last but not least, I mean we really interviewed experts all over the world um, and uh, we've done this in a series of different um, uh, doctor groups here. We, we have uh, done this uh, uh, qualitative search with hematocologists to really capture do they think there is a room for such a product on the market and do they think microbiome protection makes sense and basically 100% of any expert we ask uh, are well aware already of the deleterious impacts of antibiotics on the gut microbiome and the life-threatening consequence for cancer patients. So clearly um, these are a few comments we obtained uh, from uh, experts we we questioned and um, uh, you know, there, there's a real room for that new concept of microbiome protection, not only for the prevention of SEDIF but as well as all the other hema- immunological consequences of um, dysbiosis. So, the overall feedback uh, on the physician's interest uh, on the product like 3 32 is very favorable for sure. Uh, so I think that's wrap up an update of where we are. It's a long path, just as colleagues from other companies developing new approaches for us to bring that product to the market, but really hope that the upcoming years are gonna be decisive for um, a microbiome protecting therapy to come to market and with a very, very complementary positioning than colleagues working on, on the decrease of recurrence um, as a treatment for for, for so thank you very much and um I'll be happy if we we don't have so much time um for uh, for questions now but uh, we can answer you can send me an email i'll be happy to answer any questions
2: Florence, thank you so much. That was just a wonderful overview of a a really novel mechanism uh, for the prevention of C. difficile. I mean, we heard about vaccines earlier. Now we're talking about protection of the microbiota, and obviously, a vaccine would be specifically targeted for C. difficile and the toxins. But your mechanism of action is is really protective of dysbiosis, which you know we're just starting to scratch the surface to understand. You know, outwardly, a lot of patients previously would just get would just get diarrhea and cramping abdominal pains, but we're learning more and more about some of those changes and what those changes might mean. So I think that as we evolve with a product like DAV132, we also might learn of other changes that might occur metabolomically that uh, that this product can be beneficial for. So thank you. You've really given us a lot of food for thought with that product and, and your company. We're now going to shift gears and uh, have... Beth Mueller, presents to us. Beth is a senior clinical research scientist at Rebiotics, Inc., a fearing company. Beth will be talking to us about the safety and efficacy of investigational microbiota-based live biotherapeutic RBX2660 in patients with recurrent clostridotis difficile infection, a data summary from five prospective studies. Beth, thank you so much for being here today.
3: Thank you, Dr. Forrestad, and good afternoon, everybody. I'm so delighted to be here. Before I get started, I wanted to take a moment to mention a uh, problem. I have joined from the very beginning at the unique experience of being involved in our entire research program, from the moment of our first study participant to the integrated data analysis that I'm about to present. I've reviewed the medical and research records for the majority of our partic- participants all describing their heartbreaking battles with recurrent CDI. When presenting the data in aggregate and the ends are generically labeled as participants, it's easy to lose sight of the origin of the data points that contributed to these totals. Therefore, to me, it is important to bring visibility to the fact that each data point comes from an individual who while still suffering with the recurrent or the vicious cycle of recurrent CDI, volunteered to participate in these studies and to aid in the advancement in the science of microbiota-based live biotherapeutics and of this devastating disease. Additionally, these results comprise the countless hours of hard work from study physicians, nurses, and research coordinators, all dedicated to the care of the study participants and to this research. With that in mind, I'm delighted to be here and to have the opportunity to present an overview of our integrated safety and efficacy results. Clostridioides difficile infection, or CDI, is a common cause of healthcare-associated infections in the U.S. and also commonly acquired in community settings, such as nursing homes. C. difficile causes half a million infections in the U.S. each year, with one in six patients experiencing recurrences within two to eight weeks. This makes it an urgent public threat and in, according to the CDC. Microbiome-based therapeutics are increasingly accepted as a promising treatment option for recurrent CDI. However, challenges remain, such as the lower efficacy observed in randomized controlled studies compared to open label studies and standardization of products and procedures. A need exists for FDA approval of an effective microbiome-based therapeutics, uh, therapeutic standardization, quality and safety to break the vicious cycle of recurrent CDI. Investigational RBX2660, a potential first-in-class microbiota-based live biotherapeutic, is a prepackaged single-dose 150 ml microbiota suspension for rectal administration. It is designed with the goal of delivering a broad consortium of diverse microbes to the gut to reduce recurrent CDI. It has been manufactured in the same process since the beginning of the development program including rigorous screening to help ensure patient safety. RBX2660 has been granted fast track, orphan and breakthrough designation, therapy designation by the FDA. The clinical development program of RBX2660 is comprised of five prospective studies contributing to the overall totality of evidence. This includes over 700 participants, evaluable for safety and efficacy outcomes, and follow-up through six months with two studies including follow-up of out to 24 months. Efficacy has been consistently evaluated across the clinical program, which includes two randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, PUNCH-CD2 and PUNCH-CD3. The three open-label studies provide supplementary evidence of efficacy in all five studies, consistently evaluated safety. Additionally, of note, the ongoing CD3 OLS study in the far right includes participants who may not have been eligible for studies with strict eligibility criteria. For example, participants with additional GI conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome were allowed, as are those with immunocompromised conditions. Therefore, this study represents a patient population which may be more typical of standard recurrent CDI in clinical practice. This slide demonstrates a consistent consistent study design of the RBX2660 research program. Throughout the clinical program, there was deliberate effort to reflect the real world populations and standard of care antibiotic treatment and testing. During the course of the clinical program, Some elements of the study design have have varied such as RBX2660 dosing regimen for the qualifying CDI event which was intended to explore and ultimately uh, confirmed the dose regimen for the phase three studies. But the basic elements of the study design such as clinical endpoints and key eligibility criteria have remained consistent. This included an effort to reflect real world recurrent CDI clinical practice such as standard of care testing and standard of care antibiotics allowed for study entry. Depending on the study, the first course of treatment consisted of an assignment of one or two doses of RBX2660 or placebo followed by monitoring for recurrent CDI within eight weeks after treatment. Treatment success at eight weeks was the primary efficacy endpoint for all studies, and participants meeting the criteria were monitored for safety and sustained clinical response through six to 24 months after receiving the last dose of study drug. As an additional consistency in the study design, there was an allowance of participants with confirmed CDI within eight weeks to proceed to an open label phase of the study, as you see highlighted in blue here. During the open label phase, participants had the option to receive a second course of treatment which was always active RBX260. The follow-up schedule was then reset following the last dose of open label treatment, including a treatment success evaluation at the eight-week visit, and safety monitoring continued through to six, the six to up to 24-month follow-up assessments.
4: Sorry, the,
3: There we go. All right. Uh, For the safety analysis, the safety population included 832 participants, of which 749 received at least one dose of RBX2660. Of those, 177 received a second open-label treatment with RBX2660 for an on-study CDI recurrence. 131% participants were assigned to receive placebo. Of those, 48 were treatment failures, received a second open label treatment with RBX2660 in the placebo followed by RBX2660 group. And 83 participants did not receive an open label treatment and are in the placebo only group. Participants receiving RBX2660 tended to be older and and, more, and had more previous episodes of
4: CDI than those in the placebo only group.
3: Of the 832 participants to receive, who received eight, are greater than or equal to one treatment with RBX2660 or placebo, 571 or 68.6% experienced greater than or equal to one treatment emergent adverse event. In all treatment groups, most treatment emergent adverse events were mild or moderate in severity and were related to pre existing conditions, CDI, or the enema. Potentially life threatening treatment emergent adverse events were infrequent and in similar percentages of participants in the placebo only group at 1.2% and the RBX only group at 2.4%. Abdominal pain, nausea, and flatulence reported in greater than or equal to 5% of participants in the RBX only group compared with the placebo only group. The tolerability of RBX2660 was exemplified by the low incidence of discontinuations due to treatment emergent adverse events. Seven of 749 participants or 0.09% in the all RBX2660 group. In summary, the RBX2660 group was well tolerated, with a low incidence at less than 1% of discontinuation due to treatment-emergent adverse events. The data presented here provide a summary of the efficacy across the RBX2660 clinical development program. This graph is arranged chronologically, with beginning with the first open-label study, the Phase 2. PUNCH-CD study at the far left through the current and ongoing PUNCH-CD-OLS study at the far right, um, which is currently ongoing, these data represent the first treatment course for the qualifying recurrent CDI event on study entry, which consisted of either one dose of RBX2660 in the light blue bars Two doses of RBX2660 in the dark blue dark bars or placebo, which are in the green bars. In the open label studies, the treatment success rates for RBX2660 ranged from 50% to 78.9%. In the phase 2b placebo controlled study, Bunch CD2, the single dose, two dose treatment groups had similar treatment success rates both of which were higher than placebo but were not statistically significant. This supported the advancement of a single dose of RBX2660 into our phase three program.
4: This slide further
3: highlights pivotal CD3 study which successfully met its primary endpoint and demonstrated superiority over placebo. The posterior probability of superiority of 0.98 exceeded the maximum success threshold of 0.975, which was predefined to control type one error rate. This demonstrated 98.6% probability of superiority of RBX2660 compared with placebo. Further, these, res- these efficacy results demonstrated in subjects entering the study as, de- demonstrated efficacy in studies, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, subjects entering the study as early as first recurrence. In addition, the multivariate, multivariate uh, logistic regression analysis did not reveal any statistical, statistically significant impact on the rate of blinded treatment success for any covariates, including age, less than 65 years of age, to greater than 65 years of age, sex, race, or prior number of CDI events. These results of the pivotal Punch cd 3 study met the predefined success criteria for its primary, F, uh, primary endpoint and demonstrated clinic, clinically meaningful results. The study concluded that one dose of RBX2660 is an effective treatment to reduce recurrence of recurrent CDI in adults following
4: antibiotic treatment for CDI.
3: As mentioned earlier, those participants experienced a CDI recurrence after RBX2660 treatment. The majority of cities offered an optional open label phase. In four of the prospective studies, participants that were deemed treatment failures within eight weeks after the first course of treatment with RBX260 were eligible for a second course of treatment. The study design afforded a unique opportunity to evaluate a retreatment paradigm that is already utilized by many physicians administering microbiome-based therapeutics outside of a study setting. As depicted in this graph, the treatment success rates for the first course of treatment are now presented here, alongside the rates of treatment success for primary non-responders that received the first course of RBX2660, followed by retreatment with the second course of RBX2660. Treatment success rates for s- second course range from 50% to 78.6%. Therefore, when the tre- first and second course of RBX2660 treatment were combined, the overall rates of treatment success range from 75% to 84.4% as as depicted in the dark blue bars. These results suggest that following recurrence of CDI after standard of care antibiotics and RBX2660 treatment, a second course of treatment with RBX2660 may improve the overall rate of treatment success for subjects experienced Experiencing recurrent CDI.
4: Okay, I'm going to skip this slide and go right to
3: this one. Now that I've shared the efficacy and safety results, I wanted to provide an overview of another unique aspect of our program. For all of our studies, we've included an optional stool collection program, whereby study participants could opt to provide stool samples throughout their study participation. This part of the program was optional. And although some participants did not wish to participate, many did, and for that we are eternally grateful, as we've learned a great deal from these samples. This slide simply shows the time points that the samples were provided for for participants that did opt to participate. They provided a sample prior to receiving the RBX2660 or placebo, and then at the subsequent follow-up assessments at seven days, 30 days, eight weeks, and at
4: three and six months.
3: These MDS plots uh, demonstrate the uh, treatment responders and non-responders and show the individual RVX266 samples in the red dots on the right and the participant samples in the green dots. Each plot shows the transition of participant microbiomes over time starting with their baseline microbiome the green dots separated from the red dots at prior to receiving RBX 2660 and subsequent visits at seven days, 30 days, 60 days, uh, 90 days, and the last is 180 days. In the treatment groups, you can see as early as seven days that the participant samples converge closer to THE RBX2660 SAMPLES DEMONSTRATING THE PROGRESSION OF uh, RESTORATION OF THEIR MICROBIOMES. AND THIS TREND WAS PERSISTED THROUGHOUT THESE TIME POINTS. IN THE NON-RESPONDER GROUP, YOU CAN SEE THAT THE PARTICIPANT SAMPLES AT BASELINES, AGAIN, ARE DISTANCED FROM THE RBX2660 SAMPLES AND REMAIN DISTANCED uh, THROUGHOUT THEIR TIME POINTS. AND YOU CAN SEE THE DIFFERENCE, THE SECOND GRAPH in, IN BOTH DISPLAYS represent seven days and they're closer uh, in the responders versus the non-responders. This will just be a high-level overview. I have two of my colleagues, uh, Ken Blount and Heidi Howe, which will be presenting these data in more detail throughout this this program. In conclusion, for our program, most treatment emergent adverse events were mild or moderate in severity and unrelated to RBX 2660 placebo. RBX 260 was well tolerated with low incidence at less than 1% discontinuations due to treatment emergent adverse events. Given that CDI is responsible for considerable morbidity, mortality, and healthcare expenditures, with mortality particularly high for patients for the age of 65. And the CDI recurrence rate following standard care antibiotics is 25 to 35%. Demonstration of, a cons- of consistent RBX2660 safety supports the potential of RBX2660 as a safe option for reducing CDI recurrence. A majority of treatment responders had a sustained clinical response after at least six months and up to 24 months. And as time progressed, as I just showed, from baseline to day 180, the microbiomes of the participants who responded to RBX2660 converge closer and closer to the RBX2660 microbiome. Collectively, the data across these five trials demonstrates the potential for RBX2660 to safely and effectively reduce recurrence of osteoides difficile infection in adult patients as early as first recurrence after receiving a standard of care antibiotics. In conclusion, I'd like to acknowledge and express our sincere and gratitude to our clinical site investigators, their staff, and to all of the study participants for their dedication and contributions to the Punch CD clinical program over the last decade. We truly could not have done this without all of you and are grateful for the effort. Thank you very much, and have a good day.
2: Beth, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for an insightful talk. Obviously, RBX2660 has really uh, exciting data, and it's further reinforcements that the future of microbiota-based live biotherapeutics looks really, really bright. So we're now going to continue this similar theme and shift gears to another product within, with exciting data as well, CP101. I'm so happy to introduce Dr. Shrish Boudri of Finch Therapeutics, Trish is the Medical Director and the Head of Clinical Microbiome Science at Finch. His presentation is entitled, CP101, an Investigational Orally-Administered Microbiome Therapeutic Designed to Prevent Recurrent C. C. difficile Infection.
5: Trish, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Paul. So, uh, good afternoon to all the attendees. Um, So, as the last speaker of the day, I'll try and keep this short. so I want to thank the C. Diff foundation um, as a start for this opportunity and Nancy in particular to uh, present at this conference. So um, as a pediatric gastroenterologist, uh, I've unfortunately had w- uh, the opportunity to witness firsthand the consequences of uh, managing a patient who's been stuck in this cycle of C. diff recurrence. And in my case, it was an eight year old little girl who was a post liver transplant who developed a recurrent C. diff following an antibiotic cause for an upper respiratory tract infection. And despite numerous causes of standard of care antibiotics, we were unable to break the cycle of recurrent C. Diff. and um, she eventually landed up losing her graft. And that was an eye opener for me. Um, and it highlighted that there's a significant unmet need uh, in, in this population in patients who are struggling with recurrent C. Diff. So today I will be um, presenting data from our PRISM-3 study of CP-101, um, as Paul said, an investigational oral microbiome therapeutic design to prevent recurrent seed of infection. And I think uh, Ken covered a lot of, um, um, around the microbiome uh, very nicely. So uh, I'll just highlight some, some points here. So the microbiome is an untapped uh, target for therapeutic intervention. Uh, The microbiome comprises various microorganisms, such as bacteria, viruses, archaea, and fungi, together with its collective genetic material that reside on and within the human body. The largest collection of these microorganisms is within the large intestinal tract. Microbial genes, however, far outnumber the human genome by about a thousand fold. And more recently, experts in the field have begun to consider the microbiome as an organ system that is fundamental to the to human health, uh, contributing to immune modulation, metabolic function, and neurological regulation. So utilizing recent advances in technology that uh, enable deep characterization of the microbiome, Finch is pioneering microbiome therapeutics. So Finch uses reverse translation from clinical data to drive product strategy and development. At Finch, drug development starts in the clinic and not in the lab, which is the traditional method of small molecule drug development. Finch utilizes insights gained from FMT or fecal microbiota transplantation trials and other microbiome studies to identify potentially beneficial therapeutic areas. So where are microbiome therapies ideally positioned for maximal efficacy? So patients with disease have a disrupted microbiome as we've seen through many of the presentations today. And this is termed dysbiosis. And microbiome therapy is aimed to correct this dysbiosis and restore the microbiome to a healthy state which contributes to uh, improvement in disease. So Finch is the only company with both a complete and targeted approach for de- developing microbiome. Therapy. On the one end of the spectrum is the complete cons- consortia of which CP101 is one example. The complete consortia delivers the complete microbial community to restore broad community function. On the other end of the spectrum is the targeted consortia, which delivers selected microbes to target specific biological pathways. And in the middle is a hybrid approach, the enriched consortia, and that aims to restore broad community function and target specific pathways. Importantly, the complete consortia are donor-derived, whereas the targeted consortia are donor-independent. The Enriched consortia uses a process that incorporates both donor-derived and donor-independent products. So Finch has five candidate investigational therapies in development, with CP101 being the most advanced in the development path. We have two programs in inflammatory bowel disease, one in autism spectrum disorder, and one in hepatitis B, which are all in early phases of development. So recurrent CDF infection, which I will refer to as CDI, is the biggest challenge in CDI management, imposing a significant uh, burden on patients and healthcare systems and leading to poor clinical outcomes. Treatment guidelines recommend antibiotics for treating primary CDI and early recurrences, but these treatments lead to decreased microbiome diversity and impaired colonization resistance further contributing to a favorable environment for CDI and its potential recurrence. In the figure on the right, Chang and colleagues showed that healthy patients in blue have a high microbiome diversity, whereas those with recurrent CDI in green have a comparatively low diversity. So given the paucity of therapeutic options and limitations of currently available therapies, new therapies are required. And to meet this need, Finch is developing CP-101. So CP-101 is an orally administered complete microbiome therapeutic designed to enable early intervention in the management of CDI by restoring a diverse microbial community and key physiological pathways which contribute to colonization resistance. CP-101 is orally administered, does not require bowel preparation, and undergoes rigorous standardized manufacturing processes. The healthy microbiome is uh, represented by a rich and diverse ecosystem of microbes. In C. diff, patients receive a course of antibiotics for an unrelated infection, which disrupts the healthy microbial ecosystem, leading to proliferation of the C. diff bacteria. Standard of care antibiotics for CDI is, um, uh, the standard of care therapy for CDI is to give more antibiotics which kill the vegetative form of uh, the bacteria However, they do not address the spores, and Ken had spoken a bit about this as well. In addition, the standard-of-care antibiotics further disrupt the microbial ecosystem, impairing the conversion of primary bile acids to secondary bile acids. And this enrichment of primary bile acids facilitates the germination of cedar spores, leading to the cycle of recurrence once standard-of-care antibiotics are stopped. So CP101 aims to broadly restore this disrupted microbial ecosystem and break the cycle of recurrence. Patients with CDI have a disrupted microbiome, including significantly lower diversity compared with healthy controls. Treatment with CP101, which is a complete microbiome therapeutic, restores the diverse microbial community through the engraftment of CP101-associated taxa, enhancing colonization resistance and leading to sustained clinical cure. Let's talk a little bit about the PRISM-3 study. The PRISM-3 study was designed to demonstrate superiority relative to standard of care CDI antibiotics in a broad population, including patients with their first recurrence of CDI, as well as the use of all diagnostic methods. This was a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial with one-to-one randomization to CP-101 or placebo. Notably, both arms received standard of care antibiotics prior to randomization, and the key inclusion criteria were second or later CDI recurrence or first recurrence in patients who are 65 years of age or older. Qualifying CDI episodes could be diagnosed via PCR or toxin-based testing in keeping with IDSA guidelines, which is important considering more than 80% of CDI in the US is diagnosed by PCR alone. So real world uh, kind of population. The primary endpoint was sustained clinical cure defined as the absence of CDI recurrence and the incidence of adverse events through week eight. We also evaluated safety and efficacy uh, up to 24 weeks. The intestinal microbiome was also assessed by stool collection at baseline week one and week eight. There were additional uh, collection time points at week 24 and at on-study suspected recurrences. Engraftment and diversity were measured using 16S ribosomal RNA gene amplicon sequencing. Engraftment of CP101 associated taxa was determined by the identification of CP101 associated OTUs in in participants post-treatment samples which were absent at baseline. For microbiome therapeutics, this is akin to pharmacokinetics. Alpha diversity was uh, also quantified at the OTU level with ecological richness, or the number of unique OTU samples. For microbiome therapeutics, this was akin to pharmacodynamics. So in terms of the results, um, uh, um, the study population was similar across both groups, with 28.8% of the population having one CDI recurrence prior to study entry, and 61.1% of the qualifying CDI episodes were diagnosed by PCR-based testing. Most patients receive vancomycin, either alone or in combination at study entry, which is very typical of this population. CP101 met its primary efficacy endpoint, demonstrating a statistically significant improvement in the prevention of recurrent CDI at eight weeks with a P-value of less than 0.05. The sustained clinical cure rate was 74.5% in the CP101 arm, compared with 61.5% in the placebo arm, resulting in a relative risk reduction of recurrence by 33.8%. We also noted durable efficacy of CP101 through week 24, with a sustained clinical cure rate of 73.5% in the CP101 group, compared to 59.4% in the placebo arm. CP101 was also well tolerated with no Treatment related serious adverse events or deaths in the CP101 arm. So there was significant engraftment of CP101 associated taxa in the CP101 group compared to placebo. Within the CP101 arm, some patients exhibited higher engraftment at week one, and that engraft, those that exhibited higher engraftment at week one showed significantly higher sustained clinical cure at week eight. So treatment with CP-101 resulted in significantly greater diversity of microbial taxa compared with placebo, which was observed as early as the first week following treatment and was sustained through week eight. There was also a natural recovery in diversity in the placebo group in those patients who did not experience a CDI recurrence, which was slower and significantly lower compared to the CP-101 arm. Increased microbiome diversity at week one was significantly associated with sustained clinical cure at week eight, demonstrating that increased diversity enhances colonization resistance, leading to sustained clinical cure at week eight. So in summary, uh, CP101 increased microbiome diversity driving sustained clinical cure in recurrent CDI. Recurrent CDI patients are known to have low microbiome diversity and we tend to be leading to reduce colonization resistance, resulting in a favorable environment for the growth of C. Diff. As I mentioned previously, CP101 is a purified, orally administered investigational microbiome therapeutic that delivers a complete consortium of microbes. It's a one-time administration, and that resulted in engraftment of CP101 associated taxa, and subsequently rapid and sustained increase in microbiome diversity. CP101 resulted in significant and clinically meaningful reduction in recurrent CDI compared to placebo in the PRISM-3 trial and uh, these robust pharmacological and clinical results will be further evaluated in the PRISM-4 study which is our phase D clinical trial. the PRISM 4 study is a phase 3 global double blind randomized placebo controlled study of CP101 for the prevention of recurrent CDI. The key features of this uh, phase 3 study include a 2 to 1 randomization favoring CP101 over placebo. We will be extending the washout period uh, to potentially uh, enhance engraftment uh, in patients who receive CP101. There will be an open label treatment component for subjects who do experience an on study recurrence. And we are uh, using a decentralized or hybrid model comprising predominantly of home, uh, uh, home visits, so less impact on patients. And importantly, uh, patients will not require bulk prep uh, for the administration of CP11. So on behalf of Finch, I'd like to thank all the prison theory investigators, the study staff, and most importantly, the patients, caregivers, families, and organizations, such as the Cedar Foundation, who are working together to fight uh, against CEDA for sale. Thanks. Trish, thank you
2: so much for, again, uh, really exciting data. We've seen exciting data throughout the day. And uh, the CP10 da- CP101 data fits right within that. And we're really looking forward to seeing the phase uh, phase three trial progress and complete and seeing that data hopefully as soon as possible as we move forward and offer options to our patients that will really reduce the burden of recurrence and reduce the burden of this infection on our patients and our society
0: as well. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.